Hey guys, welcome to another episode of The Urban Roaster, where we have interesting conversations with fascinating people. Today's episode is brought to you by Virginia Commonwealth Roasters. It's my roastery. Easy story. I roast and blend the best possible coffee. It's that simple. If you like coffee, I think you need to go online, go to vcr.coffee, check us out, buy a bag, take a bag home, grind it up, brew it. If you need a ground, let us know and enjoy it. That's it. That's all there is to it. So yeah, get a bag of Virginia Commonwealth Roasters coffee. Yeah, that's my spiel. Today's guest is the pastor of Evident Grace Fellowship, or should I say former pastor, as his final Sunday is this coming Sunday, October 4th, 2020. He also runs Church Training Partners and the Capitalized Marketing and Consulting Group, and he has multiple podcasts, including his podcast um, called This Is Gonna Hurt. So... I welcome you to enjoy the conversation and check it out with my buddy, Gordon Duncan. All right. Well, we're live. Yeah, I appreciate it. I'm glad to be here. Thanks so much. Yeah, absolutely. So, um... We were talking offline about a couple of different things. The the elephant in the room, though. Uh-huh. You're leaving your church. Yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, I don't know if this will post, but Sunday, October 4th, which is this upcoming Sunday, is my last Sunday. And so— uh, That's quick. Well, you know, um, uh, I mean, first of all, our I, I took that call November 1st, 2012. So we're just about at eight years. Okay. And we, we came here to plant the church. And so yeah. we've planted two churches— um, and we let the church know the Sunday after Labor Day, so it gives them just about a month's notice. But yeah, uh, you know, uh, I don't think the word lame duck applies, but it's awkward. <laughs> it's awkward for a pastor to be there when you're like, hey, you know, you're leaving. So get, giving them six weeks just puts you in a weird situation. Yeah. And uh, but the leadership of the church knew prior to that we had Good. we had easily month five weeks probably before that, and so sat down with my elders and deacons and and their spouses knew and. Started laying out a plan and uh, had uh, all my leadership, had my, my elders and deacons over to the basement one night and said, okay, here's here's my reasoning. This is your chance to yell at me, throw anything at me, <laughs> cry, ask any questions, and they're such good guys. And it, it was good, and then we walked out of there with some plans, and then, um, you know, we're part of a denomination, so there's a, a system you want to fall into while we're there to make sure you don't put your church into an awkward situation, and we, we lined it up, which would be best for them. And uh, so, yeah, it's uh, the walkout has been um, emotional for me, emotional for a peop- few people, but it's been smooth. And yeah, um, I've, I've planted two churches. Um, leaving the first one was was probably just emotionally gripping harder just because we'd been so much. That's right after my parents had died. Um, but it's always hard. I mean, uh, the analogy of whether it's a, a child or a, a spouse is kind of hard to figure out which one it is. But no matter what, uh, when you leave peacefully— you know, it, it's hard. It's yeah. hard. Yeah, you're like, I love you. And, and you almost want a little bit of anger. Well, you know, I, I don't have you any. I don't have any anger. This just time, because which, it would make it easier. Well, you you know, know, it's funny in in all my in all my announcements uh, when I spoke at church, when I did the podcast, everything. It all begins with, listen, I need everybody to know, 
there's no scandal. No one's angry at each other. <laughs> yeah, I saw no, that on the No video. one robbed any money out of the bank. Um, you know, what better time for a church to hand off for the second generation guy than when things are peaceful? And what I'm telling my church, in which they everyone understands completely, the design of every single church is to be handed off or they would all have died in, you know, in 100 AD. So at some point in yeah. time, every church has got to be handed off to someone else. And That's healthy. Yeah, our church has got a great core group. Uh, financially, they're healthy enough to bring on another pastor who's not going to have to raise any money. Um, good. Got great leadership, good small groups. It's a it's an, a, a great church with a good heart. Um, so people are uh, pastors are reaching out to me, and I'm like, you gotta you gotta email <laughs> you gotta email this guy. I'm not on that committee. <laughs> I'm not the hiring. I'm not on I'm not the pulpit committee. So. Well, and that's where it gets hairy. In some cases, is where the pastor tries to replace themselves. No, I don't want anything to do with it. Because yeah. it just it it muddles up the whole experience. It's like a CEO going, "I'm going to retire, and this is who I'm leaving behind." Yeah. It gets it gets real hairy. Of okay, now who's in charge? Because really, he was placed kind of under you, but you're not in the picture anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. I so think it's, it's better to just make a clean cut. It's a uh, it's important for evident grace to uh, find the pastor they want, and yeah. if they want to tweak or adjust the mission of the church i think that's completely wise figure it but they just need to figure that out and they need to figure it out apart from figure from out influence. direction and exactly. who needs to be right yeah. for the job and, and there's i mean there's just I, i'm so thankful for the elders and deacons we have there they're good guys they're committed they're tremendous servants and their uh, their leadership there is really going to help the church walk through it it really is yeah, now where are they meeting these days we meet uh if, if anyone here is fredericksburg we meet at the ron rosner ymca Okay, um, so you're at the road. YMCA. And, and the YMCA is fantastic. Love, yes. I love Lewis and uh, Alicia and Angie. Everyone over there is fantastic. They've made it very easy for us to meet there. They were super gracious to us during the COVID quarantine. We came back and just we just said, whatever you need us to do to meet here healthfully, we'll be glad to do it. Um, I've got nothing but good things to say about the YMCA. They are fantastic. They really are. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So, so. You, you planted the church about eight years ago. Mm-hmm. How how large are they now? With that, um, well, with quarantine in person, yeah, that's a very right, liquid. Right. So so at, at our biggest, our church has been about a hundred, right? Okay. And um, uh, we have forty three averaging on quarantine in person, okay. and then we have a couple of families who watch online. Um, you know, we've got a couple of special needs families, and it, it just yeah, that's work been for an them. interesting. Um, but we were streaming online beforehand, yeah. so uh, we were thankful for that. You know, so in terms of members plus folks who are regular participants but haven't joined yet, the church is probably 70, 75 folks, something like that. Okay. Yeah, strong, strong, great nice. small group ministry. That's always been an emphasis of ours. And yeah. we, we usually have 60, 70% of our, our, our church involved in small groups, which is great. Okay. Nice. Yeah, it's been a handful of years. I used to have a number of friends that have gone there throughout time. And plugged in there, plugged in elsewhere, you know. Mm-hmm. The the nice part that I've known from Evident Grace has been the fact that whether people are coming or going, mm-hmm. they're always doing ministry. Yeah, that's encouraging. And you you don't see that in a lot of churches. A lot of times when they leave, they're, ah, I'm not going to church right now. Or right, right. Whatever it happens to be. Yeah, so. it's encouraging. Listen, uh, uh, our, our church takes... We, we do have a membership. I know some churches don't have membership. And uh, yeah. we, we have a membership, and, and one of those things that you affirm when you become a member is just to, you know, to 
pursue the peace and the purity of the church and to, to serve to the best of your ability. And folks take that seriously. So when they leave, they take that same kind of mentality that like when we go somewhere else and serve. And so I'm really thankful for that. Yeah. So so you're leaving. Mm-hmm. What's the next stage? What's what's happening? Yeah. So uh, um, I'm a storyteller. So when we planted the first church, it was called a scratch plant um, or a parachute plant, which means you just dropped into a town or you're cooking it from scratch. Right. So we yep. didn't have any people. And literally moved into a town that we didn't know any family. We didn't have any families committed to the church at all. And so when you start a church, you've got to raise money. Um, so we didn't have, like, this gift of $100,000 to start a church or anything like that. And so to make that happen, I was a bivocational minister. Uh, so that okay. means that half my income or whatever percentage came from working outside the church and then within the church. And prior to that, I was... Um, manager of an eye doctor office, and I had started an optometric consulting company. And so that's how I got through seminar, uh, okay. semin- excuse me, seminary, is I would I would help eye doctors, profit loss, hire, fire, training, and that kind of thing. So I just continued that on through the first church plan, that probably of those seven years, probably five of those years, I was bivocational. So when we came up here, um, I did it a lot less. Um, part of that story we're talking about a little bit, but that's when I was struggling with seizures and a few other things. I just couldn't do it, right? Yeah. And then, but I've always kept it. You know, I've always had some doctors and others that call me like, "Hey, can you help out?" Um, that expanded into doing some marketing and some human resources. I mean, just after a while, business becomes business. It doesn't have to be just eye care. And so I've always had that. Um, and then uh, came to a point in time that I was asking myself, I'm going to have to give some things up. I want to be faithful to the church. I don't want my time to be compromised and those kind of things, right? Yeah, So we got in January, and in January, um, sat down as my family and always do, just kind of like, okay, what do we want 2020 to look like? Um, I turned, <laughs> I turn, yeah. It didn't look I'm, like anything. Whatever you thought, well, tell the you answer's this, no. I always pick a couple of words to kind of resonate for the year. One of them was change, <laughs> so I got that one Well, right. yeah. Um, but... You know, I, so I'm going to turn 50 in November, and that was one of the things we were thinking through. Like, okay, you're 50, you've planted two churches, um, got my eldest going off to college this year. I've got two other, so I have three teenage daughters. So I've got two in high school, I've got one in college. So you begin thinking about, like, what is your back third of your life going to look like? If you're 50, what's this last 25 to 30 years going to look like? You yeah. Daughters to college. Um, and then, like I said, uh, things going well at the church, peaceful. And then COVID hit, right? Yeah. And then, so we're recording all of our services out of our living room, like like a, like a, lot, of, like a lot of other churches. Yeah. And uh, and I'm thankful my whole family is part of that. My whole family is part of the music team. You know, my youngest is doing lighting. My uh, oldest is singing. Daughter playing guitar. Amy playing piano. So, like, for 10, 12 weeks, the whole service was there, right? Yeah. And I'll be honest with you, we loved it. We really did. It worked. It did. And, um, and then our Sundays were... Watching another friend's worship service. We didn't watch ourselves twice. That would have been silly. So we watched another service. (laughs) And then we went for these long walks every Sunday. And I'm just going to tell you that 10 to 12 weeks in quarantine were just some of the best times of our entire lives. It really was. So we began thinking, okay, what do we do? And so I've had uh, this consulting, this marketing company. And we knew that if we pursued it, it would grow. Um, We knew that we had some goals that we wanted for our families that we couldn't accomplish. Um, I have zero complaints at all about Evident Grace. They've been very gracious to me. They've paid me. There's none of that. But yeah. But the desire of what am I going to do with the back third? My wife has sacrificed a lot for me to plant two churches. Um, and there's time I wanted with her that I haven't always gotten. Um, 
weddings, colleges. It's catch-up time. Yeah, yeah. And so, but the thing is, uh, we wanted to continue, like, ministerially, what are we going to do? I, I worked hard for my ordination. Our, our, our denomination requires master's degree, Greek, Hebrew, and just a string of examinations. And so it's not something I'm going to set aside. So a couple of things that we're going to be able to do with that is, I mean, of course, if a buddy is sick or needs someone to preach for him, I'm going to be able to do that. But in addition to um, our marketing company, we're starting a company called Church Training Partners where we will actually be doing coaching and counseling for church planters. Okay. So I've got a co-owner, and he is a North American Mission Board coach. It's literally what he does. Yeah. And so we want to be able to help out that church planter who's in the middle of nowhere, planting that church, doesn't know if he's going to have enough bills to get a sa- enough money to make a salary. He's trying to raise his young family. And we've walked through all that. So we really want to do some coaching with that. So the the focus of the ministry will move less, uh, excuse me, move more from away from the local church and more towards how can we minister and care for pastors and their families. Well, and I think a lot of people have this inner struggle, both within the church and outside the church, where they see pastors when they leave to pursue those mm-hmm. those other ideals. Um I think people look at it as you're quitting ministry. And I think it needs to be more of a dialogue of I'm not quitting, I'm shifting ministry. But when you're called to ministry, you're not called to give up everything, go into poverty, and spend the rest of your days until your dying day. Well, it's a steward- in this struggle. It's a stewardship of gift issues. And yeah. so I, I'm thankful that. I've been gifted to do the business and the marketing and the consulting that I've got. And so there, there's an aspect of stewardship of yeah, those gifts. Absolutely. But I've always been a pastor who's like every member is a missionary. I mean, like yeah. where you are is missionary work. Like if, where, no matter your workplace, if you're taking your kids to a ball game, if you're a member of the gym, every member is a missionary. I've always preached that. And so this is very much me living out that same thing I've always taught our folks. And like my, my mission field is going to look different. Um, yeah. There is an aspect where I'm helping businesses grow, and um, but then on the other end, we want to do some good work for that pastor who just is desperately needing someone to encourage him along the way. And so we're excited about that. And so that's all launching, the, that aspect's launching more formally in October. But yeah, we can't wait to start helping out pastors in that way. Well, and the bivocational pastor, I think there needs to be more understanding of what that actually entails mm-hmm. and what that means. It, and so having someone yeah. that's been on that side and then move their way through that to then be able to take a point in their life and step back and help train those pastors that have to go bivocational and teach them, yeah. hey, this is how you do it. This is how you succeed at what you're doing. I think that can be a very valuable aspect of what you're doing. I, and I think in light of where we are right now, it's, it's definitively how we plant more churches. I mean, oh, like, absolutely. If you move to if you move to this area and you want to plant a church, and you and that's going to be your vocation full time, you're going to need a three year budget of three hundred to four hundred thousand dollars easily. And, e- easily, and so you're either going to have to quickly gain that number of people, or you're going to have to raise that amount of money, or you're going to have some sponsor churches with a massive amount of money. And it happens, but it oftentimes it's, it doesn't. So if a pastor says, "Hey, I've got a I've got a job." And I have insurance through that job. Well, then all of a sudden the budget of the church just massively lowers. It's gone from three hundred thousand to <laughs> maybe a hundred, hundred to one hundred fifty. Yeah, because if you've got your yeah. insurance covered from another place, 
please keep that job until the church is super, super stable. Yep. Um, w- what our church went through two, three years ago with insurance was just ridiculous. I mean, it was just um, – so <laughs> – yeah. um, uh, but, yeah, so bivocational is it, it's not as glamorous, I guess, and you put your time through seminary, and you, you, you'd like to say, hey, I'd like to take a little breather, but it, it's the way we can really uh, advance churches really quickly. And uh, yeah. Well, and I feel like the, the music industry kind of figured that out mm-hmm. um, in some way because there's a lot of glamour about, you know, I spend time in the music industry, and there's supposedly a lot of glamour about rock stars, about artists that are out there touring, that kind of stuff. Nobody sees the back end. Nobody sees the 18-hour work days. You know, you don't get a shower for three days because it's literally stage to bus to next stop. Right, right. Um, But artists found out, hey, if I do this, but then I moonlight doing a couple of other things, whether it's writing or graphic artist, graphic artist or whatever, all Mm -hmm. of a sudden I can make a really good living at it and I can live a much smoother life and be able to ease into it. Mm -hmm. Um, With with the pastoral role. It can be a very similar thing. I mean, you can you can do those other things that help you equip your ministry, and in turn help equip the bigger ministry, both the small C church as well as the big C. I think so. I mean, in the in the first church we planted in North Carolina, um, most of the community knew that I also worked outside the church. Okay. And for the broader community in which we were parachuted into, it. They didn't have to see me as just a pastor. Yeah. They saw me as a worker. I mean, you understand, like, the view of, I mean, pastors are working crazy hard. But the, the community saw it as, <laughs> oh, you have a profession, you're a business person. And it allowed me to have conversations I couldn't have because they realized, hey, I'm out there hoofing it just like you are. Yeah. So it, it does help. And you know what? When you move into town start a church, where are you going to find people? Yeah. Like, you, you can't just show up at a coffee shop and wait for them all to come find you. No. And so that happens a little bit, but that's slow. If you've got a job in the community, then you're meeting people, you're connecting, you're making those those connections where folks are going to come worship with you. When, you. when you're bivocational to the people in your church, you and work another job. Mm-hmm. And to the people outside your church, they look at it as you and pastor a church. Right. It's so ha- it, yeah. it gives it's hard, it that though. give it and is. take. It gives, 100%. it gives you that balance, but it also gives you that... That last grip of reality, so to speak, of what the outside world is going through. Because a lot of times when you're in the church community, I've seen a lot of pastors that get disconnected from what's going on in the outside world to some extent. It's definitely possible. Because they're just so ingrained in the challenges and the tribulations and whatever's going on, both staffing and service-wise and you know, there's all these different factors going on. Well, listen, I know some great guys, but their pathway was I did undergrad at 22. I did master's degree at 25. I got ordained at 26 to be a youth pastor. And in 30, I started a church or, or went and worked at a church. Yeah. And God bless them. They did the path. But somewhere in there, the opportunity to interact with the world outside the clergy, you didn't get as much of that. Yeah. And so um, I know a lot of good godly guys who took that path are fantastic pastors, but I love the fact – there were times I didn't like it, of course, but I love the fact uh, in North Carolina that I got that chance to, to work outside the church. I loved it. Where in North Carolina were you? So it was a little town called Garner, which is out, a suburb of Raleigh. Yeah. So basically outside of Raleigh. And yep. so I was in North Carolina my entire life until we moved here. 
Nice. Okay. Yeah. From that area? I grew up in Smithville, which is right there on the I-95. Okay. And yeah. so undergrad was at East Carolina University. ECU. ECU, yep. man. Yeah. And then uh, then we lived in Raleigh for Raleigh Garner for the rest of the time. Okay. No, excuse me. Forgive me. I, I taught high school in Rocky Mountain for a couple of years. And gotcha. That's where I met my wife, and then we went to Raleigh. See, my friend went to uh, Campbell. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Good so friend. I spent quite a bit of time down there. Yeah. And um, the company that I worked for previous to launching the roastery here was based in um, Charlotte. Okay. Yeah. So spent a lot of time in that area. I love North Carolina. Yeah. And so I in, love North Carolina. I we're we could potentially move there in the next couple of years. We're well, looking at it. We don't know. The two questions we get the most are. Well, are you moving back to North Carolina? And, and we're not moving anywhere. Um, we, okay. My daughters are, you know, uh, ninth and 11th grade. And so yeah. we really, you know, we really want them to be able to graduate. When we moved up here, my kids had three schools in five months. Yeah. And so we don't want to put them through that again. No. Um, they're set and we're set. Um, and the second question is, hey, where are you going to go to church? And that's the only question I don't have an answer for yet. So <laughs> we'll figure that out. I mean, we'll, we'll have an opportunity to go and see. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's always a hard part. Because I've seen, I've seen pastors, the church that I grew up going to was a 40, 50, 60 year old uh, Baptist church mm-hmm. that the pastor, when I was there, had been there 45 years. And when he retired, from what I understand, he's still there. Okay. Well, good um, you usually don't hear that successfully. Yeah. <laughs> you I, I, usually hear some form of animosity and you just go, that's just awkward. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, listen, there's those guys that are gifted in all those phases. Yeah. I mean, I mean I, I'm definitively a, a, a starter at heart and business-wise, church-wise. I mean, I've got the oh, entre- yeah. entrepreneurial spirit. Here, I walked in the door and told them, Hey, I, I plan on dying here, and that was 100% my intention. Like I didn't, I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't planning on being a serial church planner or anything like that. Um, and got mentoring and studied the programs and read the books and did everything I could to be like that that middle ground pastor. And in the church, you know, had, lack of a better term, success in that to this point in time. But I look at it and I'm like, there's some guy who's going to come after me, and he's going to fantastically see. Oh, this is how we do phase two and phase three, and he's yeah. more gifted at that than I am. Yeah. Well, and the scary part is when. The congregation goes, yeah, but that's not that's not the way Gordon did it. That's not yeah. the way, and there has to be that understanding. And it, and I know from what I know about you and from what I've seen with you in ministry, that's not the way you have been able to train those that surrounded you there. Well, I appreciate that. So that uh, as they move on and push towards that new pastorship, they're not going, hey, this is this is the way he did it though. So we got to do it this way. Well, I joke. I, uh, I I don't have any say who comes after me, and, and yeah. I, I don't want any say. But mm-hmm. I joke. I, I'm like, get a guy with either more gray hair than me or less gray hair than me. Yeah. So you know, one or the other, and and they'll find who's perfect for them. But uh, yeah, um, yeah, I think, and I appreciate what you said. I, I every church bears the the DNA of its founding pastor to a certain extent. Um, but I mean, I look at our church and I see a great um, diversity of age and experiences. And, I mean, I just really think they're going to find the person who's perfect for it. I mean, by no means am I thinking they're looking for the person most like me. I doubt that would happen at all. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. I, I do. Yeah. I mean, I, I look forward to, from afar, just seeing how well they're going to To do. watch it. Yeah. 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 But they don't need me hanging around. It's always interesting watching stuff play out. I'm yeah. just, I'm a geek for that kind of thing, so. Yeah. Well, and, and, I mean, listen, I've got friends at this church, and i got a buddy i go running with once a week, and so, well, 
um, you know, whatever he feels comfortable sharing with me, I'll, I'll know. But right now, they're in great hands. It's like there's a um, large multi-site church that I used to work with here in town mm-hmm. that, um, I, gosh, I've been gone from there for 10 years now. Mm-hmm. And I won't mention their name, but you know who they are. Sure. And <laughs> it's funny because I hear what's going on. I was talking to a buddy of mine that that works with them constantly. And I asked him about something, and he goes, what are you talking about? And I'm, I'm like, there were public announcements of this. I've, I've heard it. You know, everyone knows it. It's not like it's a secret. He goes how are you still as connected as you are to that church? And I'm like, I just, I just listen, (laughs) right? you know, in this town, we may be a town of close to a million people or a million people, but it's still a small town. Yeah. Fredericksburg's a a tight knit community and Spotsylvania is a tight knit community. It's a very interesting community. Yeah. So it's, uh, (laughs) um, you know, we were welcomed in. Well, we definitely feel part of the community and and love it. Um, but it's got small town vibes at times. Yeah. So you're you're going to go back into the consulting world. Are mm-hmm. you staying in the um, in the realm of eye care, that kind of thing, or are we you going to branch? I still do that. Yeah. So it's a great question. Um, I'll always have my hands in the eye care world. I mean, I've okay. ri- I've written uh, nine books on Amazon, and I still work with eye doctors, and so it's definitely one of my passions. Okay. But um, so our, our company has been CTP or Concept to Profit, and it's been marketing and consulting. And so it's two-headed beast of, of marketing, but also the consulting realm would be with eye doctors or helping with HR, those kind of things. Okay. Um, but the name just became unwieldy. Um, I, I have a terrible habit of reducing everything to initials. And so <laughs> never intended to call it CTP, but it just got really confusing people. CTP, PCP, I got everything. Like, who oh, yeah. It? And so, so we sat down with it, and uh, actually over the quarantine, um, we do business coaching we went and hired a really good business coach yeah. and she kicked our butt in every well and, and challenged us, had a mentor to ask us a couple of questions. And so, um, officially changed the name to capitalize marketing and consulting. It's, okay. it's close enough to CTP that people make, makes it make sense. Yeah. And then just the mission, uh, helping people capitalize and what they do best so they can better care for their clients. Okay. And that covers marketing and consulting. So, yeah, always will have my hand in the eye care realm. Uh, absolutely love it. It's a unique industry. Um, I'm very thankful for my mentor back in the 90s who taught me all he did. And it's changed so much since then. But yeah. but uh, our, our biggest push um, right now is marketing. And that's everything from marketing campaigns to, of course, doing social media for folks or print web logo, all of those things. Okay, so graphic design, marketing, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So we're, we're part of a big campaign right now. Um, the Fredericksburg Economic Development Authority yeah. hired us to uh, create a campaign that's uh, rolling out just right now. Understanding that the Chatham Bridge is closing down. It's going to be down for 18 months. The yeah, state of Virginia just says, hey, guess what? Your access to Stafford's been denied. You can't do anything about it. Um, so in partnership with them, uh, we've created a campaign called We Build a Bridge. And the, okay, so you guys are behind that's that. That's us. Okay. And so I'm glad to hear. I'm glad someone's heard of it. So we're we're rolling it out. And the idea is bridges don't bring people downtown. We bring people <laughs> downtown. So we're literally walking, going to ver- knocking on the doors of downtown merchants over the next year. We're going to try to hit every single one of them. Okay. We drop off uh, free marketing supplies, uh, marketing materials, and tell them, listen, this is free marketing materials for you for the next 18 months if you'd like to use it. Nice. And so we'll roll back down with more materials around the holidays. We build the bridge to the holidays. 
And so that was really, we were excited uh, to be able to do that. Um, we designed that in partnership with them from the ground up. I'm really excited how the logos and materials came out. And uh, in fact, when I leave, you gotta let me give you a mug. Got a great mug. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you can't turn down a good mug. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna be setting up a wall. So, for those of for those listening to this that haven't been to been here to the roastery, uh-huh. we moved in here March first. Okay. okay. Um, up until here, up until March first, our warehouse was over half a mile over the Chatham Bridge. Okay. We were okay. right right there off Cool Springs Road down. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty close to downtown and when we moved in here the big thing was the fact that we have this studio area Perfect. we're able to build out a studio um we've got everything kind of kind of starting to fall together i mean you can see where it's at mm-hmm. it still looks like we've got stuff strewn out, strewn about but that's small business it's a great it? setup yeah it is it is so. um but with that i have like three boxes of mugs mm-hmm. oh, and yeah. being okay. that we're a coffee roastery i plan on having an entire wall of just mugs they're great collectibles they really I, are. yeah yeah you know people give them to me they're like hey we're doing this event here's a mug we're i've got this new campaign here's a mug mm-hmm. and i want to be collecting those over the years yeah, and just yeah. i figure it's a good way to kind of show off what we're doing so yeah yeah well, i'll give you one when i leave so uh but yeah, well, it's uh, it, it's been great working with the Fredericksburg EDA. They're good folks. And, okay, and, and good. The visitor center and partner with them. So you've got your feet under you. You're yeah, starting to yeah. starting to really figure out where you're going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you've got a podcast also. Yeah, and so my podcast is called uh, "This Is Going to Hurt," and okay. uh, we've been doing it. Uh, I've been doing it now for almost three years and built a great base. I'm really excited. Um, it focuses on faith, family, fitness, and finances. And okay. so the idea is to make any progress in those areas, it's going to hurt. There's pain. To get through it, it's how you make that progress. So I love – it's either it's either me um, speaking for 10 to 20 minutes or an interview. And so this nice. past week um, we posted an interview with Steve Alton. He is the author of The Meg. I don't know if you saw the Jason Statham novel, uh, movie. Yeah. So he's written – he wrote all those novels. He's got about 20 novels under his belt. Nice. And so I interviewed him, and he's got Parkinson's. So we talked a little bit because we both share neurological conditions, and it was great to hear his story, just about what he's doing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so uh, those kind of podcasts where you're giving people a chance to just kind of talk about this is my obstacle and I've overcome it. Um, it's been a blast. And then we'll we'll launch one for church training partners as well um, probably in November. So for the – Sweet. So, yeah, I just think if we're going to be working with pastors and that kind of thing, I know that uh, pastors are podcast addicted. It's the easiest way to get content to them. It's, it's a good way to – um, infuse that little bit of sanity into mm-hmm. their lives. Because mm-hmm. that, uh, I know with pastors, when I was on the road working with pastors across the country doing AV development, and it's same with business owners. Like, we're go, go, go. The only time I am I have to li- read anything or anything is when I'm dra- driving, traveling, yeah. Yeah. whatever. So I throw on podcasts constantly, and that's that's part of what launched this. So yeah, I'm the same way. Uh, running or driving down the road, I'm, I'm constantly listening to podcasts, and uh, so it's been fun to to do it. I've had some fun interviewing some pretty great people, and then it just gives me a chance sometimes to talk about things I didn't have opportunities to talk about. So yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, so here's what I'd like to do, mm-hmm. if it's good with you, um, and for my listeners, this is all just kind of fly by the seat of our pants sometimes, and I'm trying to take a look at time, take a look at the way we're 
orchestrating everything. What I'd like to do is bring you back on the program here um, sometime in the next few weeks. Sure. And I, I really want to get into the neurological piece that we were talking about before. Oh, the epilepsy? Sure. Um, sure. Where you suffered from epilepsy. Mm-hmm. And just learn more about that. Learn more about what goes into that. What what you've been through with that. Sure. Glad to. Um, but rather than try to shove all of that on this podcast, I'd like to do that as a second trip. At sure. Some point. I would love to. I'd love to. And hopefully some of these other projects that we uh, – or just a week or two away from launching. Um, we'll be able to talk. Yeah, about have it. a little bit more about it. Yeah, I'm glad to. Yeah. Well, and and here's the thing. You're right around the corner. I'm not far away at all. Yeah, <laughs> so not far away at all. So I plan on, you know, I plan on this being one of those, um, you being one of those guests that I call on the fly and I'm like, hey, let's talk about this. I appreciate that. Thanks. So, It'll be a blast. So uh, real quick, before we shut off, mm-hmm. the debate last night, did you watch it? <laughs> I did. I did watch it. Uh, I watched it with... Uh, I could um, tell by the look in your eyes that you just... I watched it with uh, my 14-year-old um, who was taking notes, and um, my 16-year-old was at work, so she missed it, and then my wife watched part of it. And so it was uh, it was three Painful. older gentlemen yelling at each other. Painful. Yeah. So lo- I mean, just The moderator was the youngest, and he was 72. Yeah. And so, That's... I mean, three three <laughs> dudes yelling at each other. Yeah. And... and um, and so, uh, to, uh, I guess uh, to, to barely get my feet wet in this, well, of course, what I would love to have seen is the two candidates to articulate their positions. Um, mm-hmm. And we didn't get a lot of articulation. Uh, and so, not, not even because of the shouting. There, there were moments where the moderator said, we really need to be quiet for two minutes. Yeah. And even in those moments... I didn't feel like there was uh, from either candidate a real articulation of like this is my plan. So um, that that's what um, no matter if people have decided on where they're going to vote or not, I think people would still like to hear um, what's my candidate or what's the opponent. Like, what are you actually planning on doing? Yeah. And whether it was because of dodginess, uh, not wanting to answer it. Or the atmosphere that the debate became, um, there was just so little of that. There really was. And so today is picking out the, the phrases and the expressions that were most shocking and then trailing them out. That's sort of the, the autopsy that's kind of happening yeah. today on there. Um, but All I, over the place. But Facebook I, but, is awry with it. Yeah. I, I, don't feel like, I don't feel like anybody is saying, okay, candidate A – really said they were going to explain they were going to do this. Let's talk about that. There's, there's not a, an analysis of plan that's happening no. today. I think, there's an, I think there's an autopsy of the shouting match. Um, so we've got, what, two more of these to go? we and got a, two more. And, and a vice presidential to go. Which, I'm curious who the moderators are going to be on the other I, ones. I don't know. Because I, I will watch them. Um, um, yeah, so will I. I, I it's will a, watch them. Um, I'm in, I mean, I, I'm perverse infatuation with the dumpster fire that's going on right now for me. <laughs> well, I think what, what's what's fun for me, I mean, I think I mentioned I've got my daughters are 18, 16, and 14. Yeah. And uh, so for them, this is really, you know, they're way more aware this year. I mean, even with. Uh, Gosh, this is an interesting election yeah, to be at so, that age group. Yeah, yeah, way, way involved. And um, it's been good to kind of walk through them with this and countering, hey, this person said excuse me, said this or believe that. So, yeah, I watched it last night, went to bed, was really just discouraged. I didn't expect it to be this 
great <laughs> debate of intellect. I didn't think, and, and I'm not, I'm not yeah. disparaging either one of them. I just didn't think the debate was going to allow for that. I did not expect, you know, WWE Raw to break out. And that's no, I mean, what it, was. it was an hour and a half. Yeah, I you you don't really expect a long form deba- debate to happen in an hour and a half, but. You know, these people are both people that want to represent our country as a whole. And they are not, neither one of them was acting presidential, in my opinion. Um, Was that partially perpetrated by the moderator and his inability to control them? I think it was a steamroller and... Yeah, you know, I think um, it was it was Clash of the Titans and no one could really <laughs> just they held on to the um, they held on to the tail of the tiger on that it, one. It, it was it was tough. It really was. It and, was. And um, I mean, you know, probably probably one loud on the other. Definitely. But <laughs> what what I would love to have seen and the word doesn't really matter anymore, I'm afraid, but. There was an opportunity for someone to to have the decorum of office, yeah, and uh, and that just didn't happen, and, at all. and it did not happen in 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 anybody. So I mean, literally, the moderator is going like, "Well, you're shouting, so why can't I shout?" And I'm like, "Oh, yeah. I was like, I've done this before. I've worked in a a church nursery before. <laughs> like, yeah, a couple I, of spoiled four year olds." <laughs> so, um, I I would love for the next one to be better. I, I just don't know. Um, I, they could get better. They could get worse. Yeah. So I so mean, it's my, 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 I mentioned my 50th birthday is, is within a week of the election. And, uh, and you know, folks are like, what are you going to do? Are you going to throw a big party? I was like, probably not. I'm probably going to keep my head down and, uh, be, be low key. Cause I just, <laughs> I just don't, <laughs> just know, hide out. I don't know what, the sh- I don't know what we're going to be. I don't know how, how well things are going to be going at that point in time. So, yeah. uh, um, it's, listen, I have incredibly passionate friends, uh, uh on both sides. I'm sure. Cer- certainly, certainly. And same. And, and I greatly enjoy interacting with both of them. I mean, uh, yeah. I really do. Um, and, uh, three, I mean, I mean, I've got, I've got passionate friends for a third party and, uh, so I mean, in that, that's been probably the most enjoyable thing about the candidates is uh, this presidency, uh, this election cycle. Excuse me, is not necessarily those guys, but enjoying like folks who can sit down and have conversations about stuff. And so yeah. those those have been the best parts about the election year of twenty twenty is sitting down and having those conversations with friends. And so that gives me a little hope. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's good because I haven't had the same experience. <laughs> well, <laughs> I have a couple, and actually, one's going to be on the podcast here in the next couple of weeks um, that I have attempted. And some of them turn into shouting matches where I'm just sitting there quietly going, Why are you getting upset about me pushing back on anything when I'm really just trying to hear your side of the story? Well, uh, like. I mean, I mean, yesterday. I mean, on Facebook right now, I've snoozed about half my um, half my friends. Yeah, same. And uh, um, I don't care if I disagree with you or not. That's fine. But you know, uh, when when rhetoric when rhetoric becomes uh, a little too aggressive or or racist, or and that's kids, that's where it is for me. I'm just I'm like you know what I, I love you. I'd like to continue to love you beyond this election cycle. So for right now, I'm just going to give you a little break. 
Yeah. And what will happen 30 days from today, there's going to be a mad rush of friends showing back up in my cycle because I snoozed everybody today. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I snoozed about 200 people. Oh, I forgot. We're friends. About a week ago. It'll be good to see you again, uh, hopefully. But, you know, maybe in January we can all – we can go back to a Facebook love fest. But uh, yesterday was a heavy social media day just for some things we were doing. Today's been really light. Um, in yeah, too bad you can't snooze them until, like, second week of November. Just... <laughs> That'd be great. Facebook snooze, like, snooze, <laughs> snooze to November 4th. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Well, good. So we will plan another time Please, to really I'm dig honored. into Thank that. You. Thank you. It's been a blast. Yeah, dude. Hey, listen, I, listen, I have followed your story. Uh, I mean, uh, I know where, you know. Virginia, yeah, it's one I, of those. We don't I, get to hang out much. Not at but all. I mean, I, 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 I see what's you, going on with you. You see what's going on with me. Yeah, yeah. It's been fun to see you, you build up the roasters and, um, you know, seeing you take a risk on a couple things and then and pivot when you've had to pivot. And it's been exciting. And so, yeah, this on this platform here, um, which is fantastic to come in and sit and talk here. Like yeah. it really is. Um, uh, not all my podcast interviews. I mean, the ones I've given have not been this night. This is nice. And so I well, appreciate, I appreciate bring, that. I appreciate you bringing me in and the place smells like coffee and cigars. <laughs> so it smells good. So it's nice. Got a couple of bourbon barrels next to you. Do you really? Oh, look at that. So, yeah. uh, so <laughs> I, <laughs> <time> try, try, <laughs> try and get it all. So, well, listen, good. thanks man. And listen, anytime I'm glad to pop in really. Sounds am. good. And to tell you what I'll have to do is, uh, I'll look at my schedule and I return the favor and give you a chance to be on my podcast and, Promote what you're doing here, and that way we can get uh, Urban Roasters pumped up a little bit more in the in the feed. I'd love to do that. Sounds good. I appreciate it. Yeah. All right, man. Thanks so much. We'll do Have it again. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Later. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of The Urban Roaster. It was a blast to record, and we've got so much more cool stuff planned. If you are interested in sponsoring the podcast, make sure you head on over to theurbanroaster.com, where you can set up either a one-time donation or a monthly donation to help us drive this podcast. Again, that's theurbanroaster.com. We look forward to seeing you in future episodes. And I'll talk to you soon. Have a great day, guys. I know, I know.